What is it? It's your future. It's called a Stargate. Chevron 7 locked. Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate. I'm Brent. And I'm Zach. This is episode 35, and we'll be talking about Stargate SG-1's episode, The Fifth Race. The Fifth Race! The Fifth Race! The Fifth Race! There are five races! I'm not going to do any more because now we've hit five, and that makes the joke stop right there. Yeah, so uh, you can, uh, after you've uh, counted to five with us, uh, you can find us on Google Play Podcasts and on Apple Podcasts, and on those things you can give us uh, the five-star ratings and the, and, the, and the reviews and all that wonderful stuff. You can also find us on Spotify Podcasts, and when you do that, there's a little heart thing that you click, and you, that you click it, and, and then... Magic happens, and I'm not sure what magic it is, but it's good magic, so make sure that you, you, do, you do the magic thing. Is it like ancient magic? It, it could be like ancient. Was that not part of the... No, ancients. We're going to talk about them in a minute. No, we're going to talk yeah. about the ancients. <laughs> That's what, so. so if you want to tell us all about your ancient magic or whatever else, or whatever, you can email us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com. That's W-A-L-K-I-N-G-T-H-R-U-J. Whoa, okay. Uh, okay, so, so yeah. full disclosure. Confession time, yeah. It is 12.10 a.m. Yes. On Friday night. Yeah. Uh, what is this? Uh, May I guess 30- it's May oh, yeah, 31. It's, technic- it's technically it's June, June 1st. <laughs> <laughs> hey, happy June. Happy June. Uh-huh. So you may mm. notice that we are actually sitting next to each other. And yes. so our banter is even faster than normal. Yes. Uh, so I've been directing a play, and the uh, thirty first was opening night, and Brent was kind enough to come and watch the show. It, it was, was a great. Good, it was a good show. It was fun. Uh, so now we have sat through a long show and had uh, some festive beverages. Yes. And now we are <laughs> podcasting at twelve ten. So because why not? Why not? Uh, so, so if cheers, you, cheers. <laughs> <laughs> So try that again. All right. If you want to email us, you can email us at walking through the stargate at gmail.com. That's W-A-L-K-I-N-G-T-H-R-U-G-H-T-H-E-S-T-A-R-G-A-T-E at gmail.com. Nice smooth. See, I like realized my beer. what happened is the first time is I didn't actually take a breath before that, and so oh, I ran out of air about yeah, halfway yeah, through. Yeah, that'll do it. That'll do it. Um, if you don't want to email <laughs> us or you don't have an email address, that's fine. You can find us on Twitter at Stargate Walking uh-huh. or on Facebook. We have a Walking Through the Stargate Facebook page. Uh-huh. Go ahead and find that and hit that like button and then the follow button. Yep. And then go find us on our Facebook group, Walking Through the Stargate. It's real easy like that. Yeah. We try to keep it simple for you. <laughs> and we did a good job. It's, you know, like yeah. you just got to remember one thing. Yeah, except for you went out and did something weird with that whole Twitter thing. Uh, yes. <clears throat> we were still trying to figure ourselves out at that time. Yes, that's true. And uh, and, and now we're stuck with it. And at walking through the Stargate was, pro- I don't know if I could even have that many characters in a yeah. handle. I, I bet you they wouldn't let it. Yeah, probably. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, so you can find us and do all that stuff. And today we're going to talk about the fifth I know, race. I know. This is a big one. Yeah. This is a big one. Um, I'm going to let you in on a little secret, Brent. Yeah. I love this episode. Huh. I wonder why. Uh, could it be? Well, we'll get into it. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, shall we get started? Yes. All right. Let's talk about this. So, 
The fifth race was directed by David Worry Smith. Mm-hmm. This is his fifth directing credit this season. He's done Prisoners, Need, Message in a Bottle, and Bane. Yeah. And he's got one more coming. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm not going to say any more about David Worry Smith because this is my way of encouraging you to listen to one of those previous <laughs> episodes so you can get more information nice. about David yeah. and boost our uh, play count. Play count. <clears throat> we need that. Yeah. Or something. (laughs) (laughs) The teleplay Uh for the fifth race is by Robert C. Cooper. This is his fourth and his last writing credit for this season. Ah, okay. He did In the Line of Duty, Need, and Duty. (laughs) You're totally going to do that. So, all right, totally an aside, I was a co-director. I had another director who was one of my good friends here in town who I was directing the play with. And in the show they were doing, the word duty comes up a lot. And every time the word duty came up, he would turn to me and go, duty. (laughs) (laughs) I can't. So we were talking. So uh, uh, Robert C. Cooper has come up a couple of a few times, right? Yes. This is his fourth, right? And this season, this season. um, And each time you had mentioned like the, the episode in the line of duty has come up a few times. As we have been doing these types of background facts. And so far, I have been doing a stellar job of not constantly making a poop joke <laughs> every time you say that because I want to. Duty. Duty. In any case, yeah. Robert C. Cooper is one of the major brains behind the uh, universe that is Stargate. And this is one of those major pillar episodes uh-huh. of it. Um, yes. And so if you want to know more about Robert C. Cooper, go look at In the Line of Duty. Duty. <laughs> Need, Bane, or one of the other episodes of the first season that he's in. Uh, I'll give you a, if, if you haven't, if, if this is your first episode of our little podcast that you're listening to, <clears throat> uh, and you haven't heard our analysis of Bane, uh, I would recommend that you do that because uh, I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Well, you know, you should totally listen to all, all of our them. podcasts. Uh, twice. However, yeah, three times. Three right? times. Once, <laughs> twice, three times listening to podcasts. Yes. <laughs> um, now, just, just note as you're listening to this that the first couple of podcasts were a little bit rough. We, we were still getting the learning. feet under us yeah. and all of that stuff. But we get into our groove and, and we get going. So listen to it over <laughs> and over and over again because we need those play count numbers to go up. So speaking of listening to things. Yes. Oh, oh, you're going to continue. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to do a nice little segue there. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Okay, so the original <laughs> air date for the fifth race was January 22nd, 1999. Uh-huh. Uh, the number one in the charts was Have You Ever by Brandy. So I did not quite appreciate. So there was the song that you didn't want to mention week after week after week, which was released by Brandy and Monica. Yes. And then for the past, like, several weeks, Monica has been number one with her song recently. Yes. Now Brandy's back? Yes. Oh, my gosh. The 90s were dumb. Oh, boy, were they ever. (laughs) The UK Uh is listening to 911, uh, listening to the song a little bit more. I, I... I don't know that song. I don't know that song. Either. So you know what we could do? Because we're we, in the same room. We could jam to that. We could totally jam to it. Ready? Ready? Okay, here we go. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah! 
Wow. Oh, this is clearly a fast-moving song. Yeah, well, I'm fast-moving. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what this is going to be all about. But so, so just so you can get a picture of what's happening here, oh, no. you've got these two middle-aged men yes. sitting at the table. Yes. I'm done. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, when I say dancing, that is a, that is an incredibly generous thing. Like that, we were not dancing. To no, that. no. <clears throat> okay, so uh, moving on. Yes. The box office that week was uh, number one, Varsity Blues. Number two, hmm. Patch Adams. Oh yeah, number Patch three, Adams. A Civil Action. The Thin Red Line is oh, number four, okay. and Stepmom rounds out the top five. Stepmom, I don't. I remember Varsity Blues. The name of it. I've never seen it. I've not seen any of these movies. I've seen Patch Adams. Um, I'm familiar with Patch Adams, at least in theory. But Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. So, all right. So what's been going on about this point in time? So this episode aired late January, and the previous episode, I don't have it up here right readily. Wait, no. It was like right November, there. wasn't it? Uh, like October. October. October 30th. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. So this has been a couple of months uh, since then, which is just as well, because frankly, the, the top... There at in the October was like for seventeen weeks or something stupid like that. Oh, that's right, that's right. Uh, so we got past that. Yep. In any case, so I'm looking at uh, more than just a week before around this episode. I'm going back to January one, nineteen ninety nine. Mm-hmm. The euro was introduced, that, which is bananas, just because the euro. I mean, granted, it's been. 20 years now um but it feels like such a staple yeah like you know like euros of course like i mean we're not talking about francs and deutschmarks anymore we're talking about euros Euros. yeah uh that was a big deal though Mm -hmm. um uh january 7th the impeachment trial of president bill clinton begins in the u.s senate Mm -hmm. uh that was a fiasco and a half Mm -hmm. january 10th the sopranos uh debuts on hbo Hmm. yeah so there you go that's a big deal yep january 20th now we're getting kind of closer to where this episode falls Mm -hmm. the china news service announces new government restrictions on internet on internet use aimed especially at internet cafes Mm -hmm. uh the information i got does not explain what those new government restrictions were but uh we can imagine we can imagine yeah uh on january 21st In one of the largest drug busts in American history, the U.S. Coast Guard intercepts a ship carrying 4,300 kilograms of cocaine. That is a lot of cocaine. 4,300 (laughs) kilograms. Roughly one kilogram is about two and a quarter pounds. Oh, man. So, you know, that's like five tons. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, close to five tons. Five tons tons of of cocaine. cocaine. (laughs) Woo! That that, That is a party ship. That is a, that is a, th- those sailors were having a great time. Great. Well, if they were using it, yes. Uh, and they, 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 they got, they got to their port faster than ever. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. On January 22nd, <laughs> I'm moving on now. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> the Australian missionary Graham Staines and his two sons are burned alive by radical Hindus Yeesh. while sleeping in their car Yeesh. in Eastern India. Oh. Ouch. Yeah. Yeah, so that, that was a happy note. Yeah. Mm. So, <laughs> sorry about bringing that down. Yeah. Going from cocaine to... Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, uh, uh, shall I move on? Uh, yeah, I, I think there's a Scarface joke in there somewhere. I'm but sure I, there I is. Can't, I can't quite suss it out. All right. Well, and of course, then we were also talking about uh, mobsters and the Sopranos earlier. Yeah. So. yeah, and... Uh, and, and uh, 
What's the word I'm looking for? It's so... Uh, my brain doesn't work after this hour. Uh, censorship. That's censorship. the word I'm looking for with China. Wow. Censorship. There you go. Yeah. All right. So we've got some uh, trivia to go with this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I... Oh. Okay. At the end of the instructions on how to fix the DHD... The sentence reads, if this all fails, well, see ya. <laughs> Is that on the schematics? Apparently, Oh, yeah. my gosh. I didn't. Well, I, I, well no. Yeah. Um, I did not catch that. So when Teal'c and O'Neill are boxing, yeah. uh, O'Neill says, you got to bend your Kozars. You yes. know, bend your Kozars. Well, this uh, uh, is a... Uh, uh, Homage to the NFL quarterback Bernie Kosar, oh. uh, who was noted for having bad knees slash legs. Interesting, because I'll, I'll get into a, a tiny bit of the analysis. I was wondering after it was revealed that the language was, you know, like a a, a, a version of Latin. Basically, mm-hmm. it made me start to think about every other word that we had heard to that point. And so I said to myself, oh, I wonder if, like, whatever word that, that he used for legs or knees was a Latin derivative of the actual word for legs or knees, but sounds like it wasn't. No. It was... I mean, it could have been, but... Yeah, probably not. Uh, so mm. it is revealed by the, uh, by the Asgard that there were four uh, races that came together. There was the Nox, the Asgard, the Ancients, and the Furlings. Yes, uh, the name Furlings uh, was a name that Cooper made up, and it became a source of many jokes. Some fans thought that it was an anagram for fun girls. <laughs> um, oh. In, in an interview sometime later, Robert Cooper uh, said he was amused by that idea, but that he hadn't even realized it until it was brought to his attention by the fans. That, yeah, that little bit of a, what, what's it called? Headcanon? Yes. A little bit of headcanon there for you. Yep, yep. Uh, so there's a couple of trivia facts mm. about this episode. Um, in the uh, Illustrated Companion, uh, they talked about talked to the visual effects supervisor, James Titchener. I think I'm saying that right. And one of his favorite scenes was uh, uh, the, the scene where, where the device grabs O'Neill's head. Yeah. And, and, and so that was a CG, episode, a CG effect. And apparently, uh, they actually had to CG uh, O'Neill's head as well oh. as part of that because uh, of the the jerking he was doing sure. and whatnot. Sure. Uh, in order to make that work properly sure. uh, with everything, they had to CG his head as well. So good. That was the 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 effects on this episode were pretty darn good. Yeah. He was that was his like favoritist effect of the yeah, whole show. Yeah. And and that was a pretty cool one. It sure was. Yep. Um and it really did look like like Hans came and he just yeah, grabbed his head. No, it was really kinda... good. And then I really liked the um the use of the puppets at the end for the um Asgard. The Asgard yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. like you switching it to a practical effect I thought was great. Yep. Uh there were a couple of goofs. Um at around the seven minute mark, Colonel O'Neill uh is writing some stuff on his clipboard and he's dismissed and he tears the first sheet of paper from the clipboard and takes it with him and leaves the clipboard on the table. However, if you look carefully at the notepad there, you see an identical drawing of what he just finished on the page. 
So clearly they oh, had printed several yeah, copies yeah, yeah. of it for yeah. multiple takes. Yeah. And, and the one they used only, you know, so had had a few extra. Yeah. Um I, I didn't I looked especially for that one. Uh I had never seen it before. Uh but then at this time I looked at it and I'm like, oh Yeah. I'm like, hey, that's kinda cool. But it's not as bad as like leaving the script on the sarcophagus. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then apparently also when O'Neill arrives at the Asgard homeworld, one of the Asgard uh, is seen looking around a corner, and you can yeah. apparently see a thin pole attached to its arm just a few inches over its elbow. Uh, I looked for this, but I missed it. I didn't notice. I did I did clearly know like they were moving like puppets move. It's and, then, yeah. and then there were a couple of shots where... Um, Richard Dean Anderson is in the shot at the same time, and it was just evident that the, he was, you know, he was talking at a puppet, which is fine. But I am, I'm, I love practical effects. Uh, the, it, it, it is obvious that they are practical effects. They do not look quite as realistic as the best CG stuff. But every time I think that I see the best CG stuff, and then I look at it again ten years later, I'm like, wow, how did I think that that was the best? Right? Yeah. You know, CG yep. always ages poorly and then you know practical effects from 30 years ago yeah it looks like a puppet but it's a real puppet it's a real thing in space like it just the the biggest issue with practical effects is if if uh we have to interact with them i mean if it's just a cg effect uh i'm thinking about lord of the rings yeah right those cg effects in there uh when you see um uh, the the hordes of orcs traveling along the way. Right. You can't tell even today that that's all CG. True. And yet it is. Yes. Um, uh, but then you get something like uh, uh, Gollum, which is a CG character, but it's all uh, motion capture stuff. Right. Uh, where you can really tell then that the actors are interacting with something. Right. Um, right. And when they're interacting with something, that's what makes it real. Yes. Yes. Hence Puppet. Hence Puppet. Yes. All right. Uh, So those are the goofs of this episode. Uh And it is now, Brent, time for the synopsis. Yeah. And this will be an interesting experience because this is the synopsis that I pulled from the Stargate Command Wiki. Mm -hmm. And normally I edit this and make sure it's uh, good and clean-ish and better than what is normally there. Sure. But... uh, well, as I mentioned, I was doing this play thing and directing, and so I haven't had any time to do this. Sure. And, and so we're going to do this on the fly. On the fly. Okay. Um, all right, here we go. SG-1 visits the planet P3R-272 and find themselves in a room with a circular inscription in the middle. Colonel Jack O'Neill steps over the circle, and immediately a device comes out of the wall. Teal'ks look... Teal'ks? Teal'k looks in it but only sees blackness with colored lights. When O'Neill steps up and takes a look, the device grabs his head for a few seconds, then lets go, and O'Neill collapses into unconsciousness. That one's not too bad. Not too bad. Not too bad. Doing okay so far. All right. SG-1 travels back to Stargate Command. O'Neill is checked for injury, but none is found. While SG-1 is being debriefed by Major General George S. Hammond, (laughs) O'Neill replaces common words with unknown ones. General Hammond then orders him to stay on base for a while so that they can keep him under observation. O'Neill's language condition starts getting worse, and soon he is replacing common words with unknown words more frequently. Cruvis for wrong, and Kozars for knees or, or legs, and Philatus for ability. 
that one could have used some tweaking. Yes, it sure could. All right. A bit of a run on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jack O'Neill, along with Teal, goes to Dr. Janiel, Dr. Janiels? Dr. Janiel Daxon. Janiel Daxon. <laughs> uh, to his lab to see if they can find out what is happening to him. Oh, come on. You cut out one of the best scenes in the whole episode? Wait, which one? The one when they're boxing. Oh, was that in the between right there? That, that, that's in the Kozar scene. Oh, that is the Kozar scene. You're right. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's this cool scene with them boxing. Yeah, and and it is cool. And, and O'Neill is just bouncing around, and he's like, you gotta, you gotta dance. And O'Neill has no idea Are what he's doing. Are we preparing to dance or to, or to what do you say? Cut, Are we dance preparing to dance or to, to do combat? Battle. battle. That's it. And, and, <laughs> and uh, you know, Tilco, or, or O'Neill goes, boom. Yeah. And, and, and nothing happens. Nothing happens. <laughs> and, and I love this moment when, when he's like, bam. And O'Neill just goes flying. Yep. And he gets up. Am I bleeding? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. All right. We'll get into it. So, I, yes. So, that scene happens. Yes. And it was a good one. It was. Jack, along with Jill, goes to Dr. Daniel Jackson's lab to see if they can find out what is happening to him. Daniel quickly realizes that the language is similar to Latin. A picture of the circular inscription from the planet is on Daniel's computer, which Jack can now read. Nu ani anquietas hic qua videum. Close. Something sure. Like they discover that O'Neill is also able to read other writings that Daniel has been working on deciphering. O'Neill then writes a series of complex equations on a chalkboard in like half a minute. The equations don't make any sense, even to Captain Samantha Carter. O'Neill is taken to Dr. Frazier for tests, and it is discovered that he is using over 90% of his brain capacity at one time compared to 5 or 10% at any given time for a normal human myth propagated for story purpose. Huh. We'll get there. Parenthesis, myth propagated. Oh, did you write that in there? No, I didn't do anything with that. So this whole idea of us using only 5, five to 10% of our brain is a myth. Is yeah, a myth. Yeah. But they propagate this for yes, story purpose. Yes, yes. Anyway. Anyway. Daniel speculates that the device downloaded an alien language into O'Neill's brain. Hammond is then called to the Stargate operations room. They find O'Neill entering a software program into the main co- mainframe computer. Hammond then orders him to stop, but O'Neill replies that he can't. Teal'c is then ordered to physically restrain him, and when O'Neill's program runs, Carter informs everyone that it added new gate destinations. However, these new gates were not from the Abydos cartouche. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, a whole uh-huh. host of opportunities come. Back in Daniel's office, O'Neill, who has now lost the ability to speak anything but the alien language, and Daniel are translating the inscription. It reads, We are the ancients. This is the place of our legacy. Daniel... Or legs. Or legs. <laughs> legacy, legs, you know. <laughs> makes more sense with legacy. <laughs> Daniel, identifying them as Roman deities, speculates that the ancients might have been the original creators of the Stargate. The device which grabbed Jack's head was a repository of knowledge, and the alien device downloaded that information into Jack's brain, or visually injected it into his brain. Sure. Sure. Carter, perplexed by the equations, wishes that Jack could explain what the formula is all about. Jack responds by handing her a paper that says 10 equals 8. This is to state that the equations are using base 8 math, as opposed to base 10 math commonly used. Uh 
it turns out to be a revolutionary way of calculating the distance between planets. Cool. Great. Awesome. Dr. Frazier, after examining O'Neill further, concludes that the information is slowly taking over his brain. Jack can no longer speak English and is in danger of eventually dying. SG bum bum. Sorry, I totally bumped the mic. Oh no. Bang. I'm staring daggers at him. It's 12.30. Yeah, okay, I'm going to move on. (laughs) The SG-1 team, minus O'Neill and Daniel. So by SG-1, they mean Carter and Teal'c, along with two no-names. Two no-names, which they say, Although one of them is a major, which is more higher rank than Captain Carter, who who he is technically in charge, I guess. And they did toss out a name, but... I don't know. You know. Do we ever see them again? No. Okay, then who cares? Um, they are sent on a mission to one of the new gate addresses, P9Q281, in the hopes that they are there they might find new information to help Jack. Meanwhile, Jack starts building a device, which he himself doesn't know the purpose of. After he completes it, Daniel tells O'Neill that SG-1 is trapped on P9Q281 because the dial-home device is stuck mid-dial. SG-1 is in trouble because a second sun has risen up on the planet, which will roast the team alive. Jack draws and writes very detailed instructions on how to fix the DHD, which are then sent through the gate to the team. SG-1 returns home safely, but we're not able to find anything which could help Jack's problem. Mm-hmm. Soon after, the computer dials the gate address and cannot be overridden. Carter informs Hammond that the gate needs more power to activate. <laughs> Meanwhile, Teal'c and Jackson follow O'Neill to the power room, where he hooks up the device that he made. Carter then tells Hammond at the control room that the gate has suddenly obtained the amount of power it needs. The gate dials on its own, and a wormhole is established at its eighth chevron instead of the normal seventh chevron. Eighth chevron! Eighth chevrons! Jack, Daniel, and Teal'c then enter the control room, and Sam figures out that the gate has dialed outside of the Milky Way galaxy, and the seventh chevron is for distance calculation to that galaxy. Hammond allows O'Neill to go through the gate, but without a GDO for for safety precautions. O'Neill, upon arriving on the other side, makes contact with the Asgard. The Asgard remove the memory of the ancients from his brain. They explain to him that the information was not meant for him, as his brain was not developed enough for it. However, his subconscious mind brought him to Othala, that's the name of the planet, Ah. in the galaxy of Ida, which is the galaxy where they were, where he could get help. They have been monitoring Earth for some time and discovered that the humans of Earth have great potential. The Asgard inform him about the Ancients and how there was an alliance of four great races, the Ancients, Asgard, Nox, and Furlings, and that O'Neill's race is advancing to become the fifth great race, and he had taken the first step. O'Neill is then sent home through the Stargate with none of the ancient knowledge. He expresses faith in humanity's future, hinting that with regards to the meaning of life, the Asgard have told him about uh, that we are going to be okay. The program that O'Neill had been writing earlier allowed him to return without an ID device. <laughs> That's sort of a stuck-on yeah, sentence that was, there. <laughs> that was definitely a stuck-on sentence and also in the wrong order. Yeah, uh, and then I say, the end. The end. So, Brent. Yeah. The fifth race. Uh-huh. What'd you think? So, I am... <clears throat> I'm glad that uh, we have now introduced a concept that there can be eight chevrons used mm-hmm. in a gate address. Yes. 
because while I will spoil it a little bit about how I am not ready to give an episode eight chevrons just yet, mm-hmm. the potential for giving an episode eight chevrons eight is, out of seven is eight out of seven is now canon. Mm-hmm. So that that makes me happy. Yep. So I can now give I can now give uh, I wish I could do math on the fly about what uh, eight sevenths is um, like a hundred and like uh, hundred and. Well, one eighth is is twelve point five. So one seven. One hundred twelve percent. Well, no, no, that that that's not quite right. Oh, I'm just giving you a ballpark figure. Yeah. Well, whatever. Anyway, like I said, math. Um, math. Anyway, twelve thirty-five. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So, uh, boy, this episode was good. Like, not only was this episode good, just because it had a pretty neato story, just because. Uh, it had a cool story with some darn good visuals, some great acting. Excuse me. Um, and then I'm not even touching the big picture story stuff. Because then you add the big picture story stuff to it, and it's just like, holy cow! Like, this thing is about to take off, isn't it? I mean, like, this is about to, like, this roller coaster is about to get going. We've been, we've been clickety clacketing up the hill this whole time. And you had that little, like, you know, on a roller coaster, you get, you, you have, like, the first little rush, and you're like, woohoo! <laughs> that was, that was, <laughs> that was neato. And then you get to the big hill, clackety 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 clack, and you're just waiting, you're just clackety 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 clack. And then you get to the top. Like, I feel like this episode is where you're kind of at the top and you're about to really start going down the... Now, granted, not every single episode after this is probably going to be totally awesome right on a roller coaster, but I could absolutely tell that there are, I mean, with, what, dozens of new gates now being identified. Hundreds! Hundreds of new gates being identified. Probably. A whole concept of exploration that now involves other galaxies... Thing number two, um, you know, meeting up with the Asgard again, cool. Um, identifying the humans as like you know the potential fifth race, neato. But just the the raw like fodder that is coming out of this particular episode is substantial. It's it's great. There's a little bit of reset to zero that happened where like the power device it, like burnt out basically, and. Um, we can't dial eight chevrons in a gate, right? We tried to dial back out. We can't do that. But, you know, we know it's possible. We need something that has an extreme amount of power. Yes. And we currently don't have what it takes to make the extreme amount of power. But you know what, though? Like, now I'm kind of wondering about the dial home device. Like, can the DHD handle eight chevrons, and does it have enough power to get to span galaxies? I guess we'll find out. But, you know, hey, that's, that's a thing. That is a thing. Like, it's just, there's a lot going on. Well, but now, hmm, you see, now we also know that if you put too much power on the gate, you can end up skipping your gate destination and landing in a gate that is nearby. Hmm. hmm. Well, but that's, that, that is overloading it at a certain point, whereas yeah. this is producing enough energy. At the start? Um, or something? Correctly, for one yeah. better term. Gotcha. Yeah, okay. Anyway, yeah, so uh, I'm excited. This was a good episode. And again, like the I liked it because it was an interesting story on its own, mm-hmm. right? Um <clears throat> a little bit of a mystery case. Uh we we brought back 
uh, an element from a previous episode with the with the other um, languages, and now Jack can read it, and now we actually understand what it's about to say, and that's exciting. And then we have a tie-in with an existing um, uh, Earth civilization, which is always fun. Yeah. Um, you know, all these things are kind of starting to come together, and that's and that's nifty. Um, Jack's newfound knowledge that uh, helps us understand this technology better. Uh, even if it is fleeting, uh, was great. Uh, the mystery of trying to figure out how to help Jack with the whole thing was right. a good one. It was just fun. But, but then, in addition to all of that, you've also got... Uh, I mean, Jack loses the knowledge of these a- the ancients. Yes. Gets taken, which is a good thing, because his brain was his literally brain going to turn into it. soup. Yes. Uh, however, uh, Jackson now has at least some of the raw materials he needs... Yes. To be able to begin to translate, and we know that Jackson is very good with languages. That's right. And so we have that going on now. Mm-hmm. So we have this language that we didn't have any idea what it is, and now we have a, a good idea of what it is, and we have at least some of the tools to kind of figure out what it means. Yes. In addition to that, you've got that whole uh, calculating stellar drift calculation pro. Uh, uh, Equation yep. that he created yep. that that uh, Carter can now use to input into the computer right. uh, to crank out those uh, stellar drift calculations yes. for the new planets yes. early on. So just this is an episode that just opens up. There's a lot in here. So much. Yeah. I absolutely love everything about this episode. I'm trying to think of like parallel episodes in other series that kind of burst, you know, bust the thing wide open quite the same way. I'm sure I'll think of something at some point. But this is definitely one of those moments of like, yeah, like there's a lot that just gets cracked wide open right now. And for the good of the show. And, you know, like this is exciting stuff. And that's all the meta stuff. And we haven't even gotten to the actual story of it, which which is a great story of of O'Neill um, being put into life's danger, uh, and then being able to create new things. Yeah, and you know the 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 whole losing his ability to speak the philatus to speak properly. Yeah, I yeah. love philatus. That's just a fun word. Um, um, and uh, one thing that that kind of is silly is that. Uh, O'Neill is sitting there, and he's like, "I have to leave the planet, or something like that." And and the the ancient word is locus, right? And the first word is like ego, yeah, which is I, right? And he gets through, and you get to locus, and Daniel has to look up has to look locus. Up. I know, yeah. I'm like, come on, come on Daniel, dude. yeah, right. <laughs> Well, I mean, you, you got to make it at least a little tense. Yeah. I mean, I suppose. I suppose, but then make the word more obscure than locust. Sure, right, <laughs> right. Yeah, there was a couple, yes, there was a couple of moments where it was a little bit like, and I and it, and it had a lot to do with um, uh, Daniel's uh, capacity to pick up on what the language was meaning or like, you know, like at the very beginning him, him looking it up was, Sensible, but then yeah, that that particular example also stood out when I was watching it. Also, Carter's ability to understand what the um, uh, not so much about the math equation because I mean I can see how if you're looking at it with base ten, it doesn't make sense until you start looking at it with base eight. But you know, even still, there are some moments where 
Oh, it was at the beginning in the briefing room where Daniel's talking about the importance of what they had discovered and everybody's sitting around the table going, I don't understand. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, come on. Come on. Come like, on. You, they would yep, all understand. Yep. yep. Yeah. Okay. You know, let, let me let me paint this picture. Right. Let me bring you from A to B to C. Right. Come on. What's next? Bring it along. Come bring on. Along. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. A, B, C, four. Nope. 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 <laughs> nope. A, B, C, 8. No, no, no close. No, That's later. No, no, no. A, B, C, Q. Yeah. Well, at least no. we're in the same. No. Okay, okay. <laughs> Base 8 math here. Base 8 math. Come on, guys. <laughs> uh, yeah. No. This is This is delightful. This was a delightful episode. This was so did much fun. You, did you have any favorite moments in this episode? I was really jammed. Like, I am really enjoying Richard Dean Anderson's performance as Jack O'Neill. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just... Uh, he's losing a little of the, like... the. He's not quite as much of a hard-ass as he has been in previous episodes. Like... He still has a little bit of that smarminess, but it's coming across more as um, it's just coming up a, 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 a bit more, um, I don't know, humble. And so as a result, it's a bit funnier mm-hmm. and which is quite good. Um, the banter is really starting to at least I'm noticing it. Yeah. Um, you know, I remember that you and I have been talking about previous episodes and you've said things like we're starting to see the banter in this one. And I'm like, yeah, I guess so. Um, but now I'm kind of understanding what you were really trying to say. Well, I, I'm sure I'm only seeing the start of it, but like, well, we're really, we're really getting into, uh, the rhythm of, yeah. so like, like the, the writers have found the voices for these characters. Yes. And so they know what Sam sounds like. They know what O'Neill and Jackson and Teal'c sound like. Yep. And of course this is still going to evolve as the series progresses, but we have now figured that out. And so early on, we were still trying to struggle with that, trying to figure out what oh, these yeah. people sound like. And so then they ended up sending sending things that were just a little bit weird. Emancipation. Um, <clears throat> uh, sorry, I had yeah, something stuck in my throat. In throat yeah. There. yeah, I'm better now. Yeah. So, uh, but this is better. I also want to say that Richard Dean Anderson's acting in this episode, especially, well, I mean, for, throughout the whole thing, but especially when he lost the ability to yeah. speak and the amount he was able to convey yes. with his eyes and his body language was astounding. Yep. I was noticing that too. Uh, that, that's, that was really, really impressive. Uh, Tilk is his same stoic self. But getting, but the lines are getting better. Like, I think that's a bit more with the writing and a little less about the acting, but it's still Christopher Judge is just like delivering yeah. and in in a convincing way that is quite humorous when, when those moments are yep. arriving. Like the boxing scene. Yeah. That was great. Yep. That was totally great. Um, I am liking um, Jackson's, um, he seems like he's bumbling around a little bit. Who are, who are the boffins? Who are those? So it was, uh, so it was, uh, Star- Stargate Scotty was in the room with some scientist guy and they were going on about how they couldn't figure out what the, uh, power device was. Right. But they, but, uh, it was like Hammond, I think who said, sounds like you don't have any ideas. And like, well, we don't have, it's not like we don't have any ideas. It's that we, we don't, don't have, have much. And we don't have much one yet. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yes. Um, that was kind of a fun scene. That was a fun scene. It was a kind of a 
I don't know if it's a throwaway or not. I know that uh, Stargate Scotty, we're going to see, we've seen him now twice. Three, this is our third time, I think. Something like that. Um, so he is Richard Dean Anderson's stunt double. Right. And of course, so With glasses uh, this Dan, time. Dan Shea uh, was almost certainly the one who was thrown out of the Stargate. Yes. And did that stunt. <laughs> yes. Which was an amazing stunt, <laughs> yes, by the it way. Was. Here, um, throw and, yourself onto this staircase. Go. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll see him again throughout the whole series. Sure. He, he pops in all over the place. Um, I don't know if any of those other scientists do that, but one of my favorite scenes um, is is later on when they come back to that, when uh, Jackson brings this device yeah, and yeah, says, yeah, yeah. hey, come take a look at this. What is it? No idea. Well, no, not no idea. I just don't have much of an idea yet. Yes. <laughs> yes. That was funny. That was it good. Was. That was. That was good writing. I mean, it's 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 good television writing, right? Like if 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 that moment were to happen in a movie, I'd be like, oh come on, right? You know, like groan a little bit. Oh, you would have liked it. Mm, I mean, yeah, I liked it more because it's television. Okay, fine. It, it matters. Like you know, like they're they're starting to take themselves a little less seriously. It feels I don't know. It's it's like this mix. It's a good mix. It's like on one hand they're they're not taking themselves as seriously, and on the other hand, like I don't know. I guess it's like it, it feels like the characters are able to be taken a little less seriously because they aren't the thing driving the story anymore. The story is driving the story, mm, mm-hmm. and so we can have fun with the people because it's the people don't have to be, um, you know. Uh, stone cold or like far away or complicated or, you know, like, you know, just like downtrodden or whatever. Um, the story is the thing that's interesting right now, as far as like, you know, the, the, the moving the thing along. Right. And now the characters can be just interesting and enjoyable. Which is something different in the TV show versus say the movie where you have O'Neill in the movie is this, right. Uh, broken stoic, uh, uh, emotionless man who right. can't connect to anything at all, and you have to do that because, frankly, let's be honest, the story in the movie is not very strong. No, and it's okay. Um, you know, if you're going to watch a two-hour feature film, having a big piece of the driving storyline be the character development—that's fine. That's totally normal. Uh, in a television series, if we still, it, it, you know, we're what? We're two-thirds of the way or like we're a meaningful chunk of the way through season two. Yeah, about two-thirds. And if we were still relying on the complications of the characters to be driving the story, well, it would be a soap opera, I guess. And, you know, <laughs> like I don't want to watch a soap opera. No. I want to I watch, I watch uh, Neato Things in Space. And I'm getting it. Yeah. I know. With a yeah. goofy hallway and a lot of Asgards. Oh, by the way, talk <laughs> about convenient, where, like, apparently two of the most knowledgeable Asgardians are just, like, standing there, like, just hanging around the gate, <laughs> and this thing dials up and out pops. Out well, pops over okay, so, so <laughs> to that end, um, we it has been established that the Asgard are long-lived. Because yes. Thor okay. was alive. Yes. Right? We yes. know that he was alive and talking to them. And we know that the history of Thor uh, is several thousand years old. 
Yes. Okay, so uh, they are long-lived creatures. I, I just thought it was funny that the two people on the street that he runs into <laughs> are the ones who are like... Well, okay, <laughs> but he's also coming to a star gate where they're at. And if their Stargate is at all like everywhere else they've been, the important people hang out near the Stargate. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Zach is giving me a triumphant grin. <laughs> yeah, the smile doesn't quite come over the audio <laughs> as well. But but that's uh, that's that's me winning. Uh, I'll think of something later. Oh, I'm sure I will lose later. Yeah. But for now, it's I won. 10 to 1. I'm, it's ten, I have it's, 10? No, it's oh, oh, 10, it's to, ten one. to 1. <laughs> uh, I, Brent, it, it's actually, it's like 7 to 1. We're not, we're not, we're not, we're not fussing with the details. Oh, okay. Uh, anyway, that's, so yeah. This is a great episode. Yeah. I love this episode. And I think that, as is true to our form, when it's an awesome episode, we talk less. Yeah. When it's kind of lousy, we go on about why it's lousy. Yeah. So this is this a, was a good one. This so was fun. So this is when I turn to you, Brent. Yeah. And I say, Brent, mm-hmm. the fifth race. Yeah. Out of seven chevrons. Right. How many chevrons do you give it? Fun story. Wide open possibilities. Good acting. Great visuals. Um, good continuity. Uh, um, Sam Carter's uh, sunburn. Yes. Sticking through all the way to the end of the episode. Yep. yep. Um you know, just just it was just tight. It was it was it was a well made episode, and there was a lot of good stuff inside it. Um, is this seven? No, it's not seven. I'm gonna go with six. I'm gonna go with six. Uh, I'm 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 keeping that seven. So I gave Bane a seven because it halfway through I went from being like seriously, is this where you're going? To like, all right, fine. You want to go with uh, crazy pants? Show me what you got. And it just went there. It was great. Is this just as amazing in that kind of like, like just let loose and run with it type of a thing? I'm thinking no. Um, But it is just delightful. Like it's a really good one. So six out of seven for me. Six out of seven. Okay. Well, Brent, I've already told you that I loved this episode. Yeah. I've already said that uh, uh, there's nothing wrong with this episode. Yep. And um, I I have to say, Brent, that your rating is not high enough. (laughs) You you cannot give this episode just a six chevron. Wait, are you going to give it a six and a half? I am not going to give it a six and a half. This is worth more than a six and a half. This is not just a six. This is not just a seven. This is an eight Chevron episode. Oh, we're breaking the scale. The scale has been broken. Oh, we are in a new galaxy. Oh, we're 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 so this episode is an eight because. The episode itself, if you take the lore 
and, and, and what happens, what is built upon this episode into the future, yeah. out. It's a great episode. There's really not, it's just fun, it's engaging. It's not a very fast episode. Did you notice that? It's not like bam, 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 oh, bam, yeah, bam, yeah, bam, yeah. bam. Right. It's, it's, a, it's a measured episode, and yet yeah. you don't feel like you're going slow. Uh, this is true. You're right. And, and and so it is a perfect episode in that regard. Oh, it deserves nice. that seventh Chevron mark. And then... Plus one. When you... No, 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 I'm getting <laughs> oh, there. Oh, okay. Right? Sorry. So when you then take that stuff that I said over there and you put in there, and all of the stuff that we learn about the ancients, about the eighth Chevron, yeah, yeah. About, uh, about the new gates, yeah. and, and all of that stuff... Yeah. When you add all of that stuff, and then I get excited because this is where it begins, and you are kind of like a roller coaster. Uh-huh, we're going uh-huh, down, uh-huh. and we're going to have some fun. And and this is an eight Chevron episode. Nice. Okay. Well, you know what that averages though, too. A seven. Yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah, but I'm I'm saying you're wrong. <laughs> and that's okay. <laughs> it is okay that you're wrong, so long as you accept and acknowledge that you are in fact wrong. Huh. Okay. Hey, look, here's a beverage. Oh, hey, I got one of those, too. Cheers. Mm. Don't break my glasses. Yeah, I was going to say. I'm glad it didn't. Anyway, all right. All right. So, that was the fifth race. Yeah. And as much of a high as that is, as we get close to 1 o'clock in the morning, (laughs) it is time to move on. Yeah. And uh, the next episode is simply a matter of time. And the time is telling us that it is time to move on. <laughs> do you want to do it this time? No, I'm I, totally... I was going to say, I mean, you, no, you, no, you, you no, sound no. like you're on a roll right no, now. I'm, <laughs> I, I, I am totally stopping right now. <laughs> and I'm going to turn to my dear friend Brent <clears throat> yeah. and say, Brent, yeah. a matter of time, Yeah. what's it about? All right. Okay. All right. Um. So before I get into it, <clears throat> I'm just going to own that it's late. I've had a long day. And I don't do well when I'm tired, but we'll give it a shot anyway, right? Here we go. I believe in you, Brent. Okay. A matter of time. The SG-1 team goes through the gate and finds themselves on a strange world. They stand in front of a group of people that are bedecked in peculiar robes and a very strange, arc-like neck piece behind them. Hello, we are travelers from the planet Earth, says Daniel Jackson. Hello, we are the Time Lords. Join us next week with a crossover episode of Stargate SG-1 and Doctor Who, A Matter of Time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't so, have a. I didn't have a lot. I so uh, I'm. I'm just going to point out that this episode airs in 1999. <gasps> uh, and, yeah. and Doctor Who didn't happen, had, until didn't happen until like 2005 or four or yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, well, but maybe maybe this was like maybe this was the so after the Paul McGann movie, they were like, is there still a possibility? So is for, this the War Doctor? Uh, yeah. Yes. Yes. So there you go. So this is William Hurt. There you go. So this is, uh, so this is, this, so by this the way, is a, we are now spoiling just a little bit of, oh, of, yeah. of Doctor Who. Well, it's been, it's, it's been, been a long year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. 
<clears throat> but uh, if you yeah, you can handle the female doctor. You can handle this. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, uh, yeah, so it, yeah, they're, they're, they were they're experimenting to see if uh, if uh, if a television series was viable. Uh huh. Yeah. So the BBC came over because you know Canada, and <laughs> they were all like. Uh, hey, we want to try this uh, Doctor Who reboot thing. Uh, what do you guys got? And they're like, well, how we uh, how we do a, how we do a, how we do something with uh, some Daleks? Exterminate! Exterminate! Are we gonna have Daleks in this episode? Shall we watch the promo? Oh yeah, yeah, let's, yeah, let's do that. All right. Okay. So here we go. Right. This is the promo for a matter of time. Next on Stargate SG One, that team is in trouble. There's nothing we can do to save them. They've had it, sir. SG-1 witnesses a cosmic disaster. Oh, my. What am I looking at? That's a black hole, sir. And time oh is counting down. The closer you get to a black hole, time slows down. Uh-huh. When the most powerful force in the universe locks onto Earth, things tend to get sucked in. There is no escape. What? We're in trouble, sir. We are not in a black hole. Not yet. Was left with a mountain will collapse. Oh, my. Okay. 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 All right. Okay. We're gonna ignore physics. All right. Sweet. Okay. We're gonna we're gonna go. Speaking of perpetuating myths, we're gonna keep going with the myth that says that black holes consume everything, and they just continue to consume everything. So. It is, Brent, just a matter of time before we can watch this episode yeah. and discuss it. Like next week. Yeah. And you can join us. Yes. On this wonderful thing. So, if yeah. you, yeah. dear listeners, dear gatewalkers, the this gatewalkers, is the term yeah. that we're using for you, so now you have to use it yourself. You're gatewalkers. <laughs> we'll be keeping notes. <laughs> It'll go on your permanent record. Yeah. So, all right. So, yeah. So, dear gatewalkers, <laughs> tell us what you think about the fifth race. Tell us how Brent got his Chevron rating wrong. No, it's totally right. Tell us how I got it right. No, you overinflated. You are a great inflator. Anyway, sorry. I don't overinflate. He just inflates. <laughs> hey, I'm a little pudgy. <laughs> but Me too, big guy. Me too. All right. Tell us what you think about this episode. <laughs> Email us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter. Tell us what you think about it at Stargate Walking. Go to our Facebook page, to our Facebook group, Walking Through the Stargate, and tell us what you think about what's going on. Yeah. Uh, you know, there was some conversation on the Facebooks about... Uh, uh, we did get a little bit of, of uh, chatter about uh, places in our world order. Right. Uh, we've got that. a sous chef and we've Ooh. got a musician or maestro. Okay. So there's a lot of spaces available. Yes, but also I like I very much like the titles that people are coming up with. They're not going with standard boring normal titles. I want to be the secretary of the treasury. Right. No. We're getting a <laughs> sous chef, which implies that we have a chef. So that position's still open. Yeah, we still still need a chef. And we got a maestro, but we don't have an orchestra. <laughs> That's true. So we need those things too. Yep. And everybody yep. knows that all good empires are founded on good music and good food. Well, if you don't have good music and good fu- food, you don't have good parties. No. And if you don't have good parties, right. you're not going to have a good empire. And like, and we need a good empire. And we would have a good empire. And despite what my brother says, <laughs> we would make perfectly adequate rulers. Perfectly adequate. Adequate. Perfectly adequate. <laughs> there wouldn't be anything... 
overly wrong or right with us. Nope. We'd right be like, down the right middle. Down the middle. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's. I think that, yeah, that's a high note. We should end. We yep. should stop. Okay, so uh, <laughs> with that, I'm Zach. And I'm Brent. And this has been Walking Through the Stargate. See you next time. Bye. Carter, dial it up. Get these people home.